0: to convey the love of Christ. Missions Month is a great month to think about that, because that could be a conveyor belt that leads all the way to a tiny island in the South Pacific between seven and 8,000 miles away from us, or that could just be conveyed to the neighbor across the street, or the waitress or waiter. At the restaurant, whatever it may be. But think of a conveyor belt for a minute. Maybe you've gone shopping and you put your groceries on that little conveyor belt. Put the plastic bar between your groceries and the one in front of you. Properly socially distancing, of course. And they move it. They transport it. They move it from one place to the other. To convey. To transport or carry to a place. To make an idea, an impression, or a feeling known or understandable to someone. I love my definitions. I think many of you know that over the years, I usually have a few, to communicate a message or information. See, for Emmy and me, we think of a conveyor belt with the luggage because of the traveling we do. And I remember one year we came up, I think it was the 2017 furlough, and we waited and waited and waited, and none of our bags were conveyed to us. They were all lost. Now, when you've traveled all those miles and you finally get near here, we usually fly into JFK, and you don't have anything. And my brother Vinny and my cousin Tony are waiting to pick me up. Not really the two of them. I just thought I'd throw some of the New Jersey Italian in there. But people are waiting to pick you up. You really would like, after 16 hours in the air and those layovers, to be able to maybe change. We didn't have any of that. And we watched and watched, and you just keep watching, even though you already know it's not there. And you're watching those three bags (laughs) that showed up, and the person didn't show up, and they keep going around. And you think, maybe they're going to turn it on again, and it's going to come out. Oh, Lord, help us not to be that kind of a conveyor of the love of Christ that just never conveys it. The last, uh, this furlough, when we came up, all our bags came at once, and I got so excited to grab them all that the pouch I had with everything by, you know, the negative tests and everything you need to get through the hoops went flying out. I was not going to climb up on that conveyor belt. I didn't have that much faith, but I got some uh, security guard to get up there and get to where it fell behind to get it back to us. But that time it conveyed all of the bags and I was anxious to get them. What kind of conveyor of the love of Christ will we be? Because really that's the thrust of missions, whether it's worldwide missions or it's us being on mission. You cannot be the church if you don't have a heart for conveying the love of Christ. It's impossible to be the church and not to be conveying the love of Christ. Something is missing from the very heart of it. And so I have three thoughts that come out of these passages. The first is this, because the challenge, the challenge is this, and then we'll get to our first one. The challenge is this, be a superb conveyor of the love of Christ. Be an excellent conveyor of the love of Christ. After all, when we received salvation, the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. It's there for us to convey. And why didn't we just get saved and go up to glory? We're left here for a time and for a purpose. And very central to that would be to convey the love of Christ to others. See, we need to convey the love of Christ to the lost in sin. Because of the love of Christ, he died on Calvary in their place. We need to convey the love of Christ to someone who's backslidden. and Maybe they're backslidden in heart, but not yet outside. And the love of Christ would be the thing that would turn them fully back to him in his embrace before they go further and further Maybe it is someone who's gone far from the Lord. There was a time when they received Christ as Savior, were baptized, added to the church, were even on fire for a season. But whatever happened, falling into sin, bitterness, a conflict, i mean, people can make conflict out of anything. Do you believe in masks or not, or mandates or not, or vaccines or not? Well, that makes me upset. Well, but I believe this, and you believe that, and let's fight it out. And all of a sudden, brother and sister and the Lord are apart. They cut their eyes off Christ. They're no longer conveying the love of Christ. They're using their platform, their format, to get into all of that stuff with such venom sometimes. On either side, I'm not... You know, taking one position or another, just that idea. Oh, Lord, help us to just continue to convey the love of Christ. The love of Christ for the Christian who's walking with the Lord and yet could be walking so much more closely with him in, in sweeter fellowship. The Christian who's active serving the Lord, but not enjoying the fruits of him doing it through them because they're so busy doing it for him. There are just so many reasons. I could take the whole time tonight and just say why it's very central to our purpose on earth to convey the love of Christ. But I can only give it those few moments. To be a superb conveyor of the love of Christ, number one, you must be absolutely confident of it. I always need a little feedback. It's probably just insecurity. Are you with me, church? You need to be absolutely confident of it. And the Apostle Paul leads up to the great conclusion. I mean, he took us from all have sinned. He showed us the sin of the heathen in all its depth. And then he went on to show the the sin of the moralist and the sin of the Hebrew. And he concludes the whole of humanity is lost in sin and they are all entirely without excuse. And then he starts sharing the glories of salvation and builds and builds and builds to this great conclusion. How does he conclude it all? How do we get to the top of the mountain peak? Because you remember in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, he turns his attention to the Hebrew question. Are they saved the same way that we are? And then in chapters 12 to 16, he gets into the practical. Based on all this we know about salvation, we have to present our bodies a living sacrifice, etc., and gets into the practical. But here in the doctrinal, the most doctrinal book in the Bible, leading up to the conclusion, he asks this awesome question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then all the rhetorical questions, shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, etc, cetera, etc? Cetera. See, it's a great question, but then a great answer follows. But he says in verse 36, and I fear that too many Christians maybe end at the period at verse 36. Especially now, there seems to be a mindset in many Christians today that I want to confront. A lot of Christians feel like victims today. They're complaining. The mainstream news is against us. The government is removing our freedoms. They're closing our churches. You know, and some of those things are indeed happening. I agree. But we whine and complain and we focus on that and we're really, it's so hard to be a Christian today and do anything. They want to close down our churches and blah and blah. And on top of that, the bad policies of the government and the inflation is going up in the economy. And how can we give to missions and do this and that, blah and blah, blah. And we keep going. So we, we're like, yeah, verse 36 says it exactly. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yes, the world system is opposed to the Christian because it's opposed to Christ. But you are not a victim. Are you listening tonight? Because you cannot convey the love of Christ while you're walking around like a victim. Boy, poor me, it's so hard to be a Christian and no, or to use the word here in the Bible, nay. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, he says, there's that confidence. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor masts, nor mandates... No, I'm sorry, I added that in. That's the uh, Prince Jim, not the King James. And neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, etc., nor height, nor depth. None of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Are you absolutely confident in that love? Can you say the same thing? No one and no thing can separate me from the love of Christ. I want to be very transparent for a second here. I am not a confident person. I get up and I preach and I preach with passion. I am not a confident person. I try to look you in the eye because I was trained to do that. Shake your hand, say hello. I'm an introvert and I'm full of insecurities and I'm not confident. I have lots of doubts. It's my flesh patterns that I'm dealing with. I'm not asking you tonight are you self confident? I'm too fat. I'm too poor. I'm too sure, I'm too, put your blank in it, because you know your insecurities. We men don't like to share them very much, but I am. It just seems sometimes the women are a little more open about that. Oh, I guess he's making generalities. Yes, I am. But what's your blank? I'm too blank to get out there and share the love of Christ with a world that needs it. What's your blank? What's your excuse? Because here's the thing. It's not confidence in yourself. Paul said, I have no confidence in the flesh. He said lots about that. I want to tell you something. The reason I can get up and preach, and it's almost like my personality transforms. My shoulders aren't sagging. I forget that my appearance is different from many others. I forget the things that go around in my head, and I get up there and I preach the Word of God, or I start talking to someone about the Lord, and all of that is just gone. Because it's not confidence in me. I'm not confident. See, there are certain things that might be relatable as I'm speaking. Oh, hi, everyone up there. I haven't even looked at you. Good to see you. There's certain things that I don't have to focus on my lack of self-confidence. If I go to a restaurant and it's good... And I go several times and it's good. And the service is good. I'm willing to start telling people, you've got to go to, where was that we went to tonight? Amari's. Used to be Rosa's. I went there once and it was good. I liked the food. It was good. Free advertisement. Probably on the internet or something. They got free advertisement. Charge them for it. But if I went again and again and again. And after several times, each time service was spot on and the food was spot on. I wouldn't be like, well, I'm too blank. tell someone what a good restaurant that is. I'd be willing to share that, wouldn't you? But when you're absolutely confident in the love of Christ, no matter what you've gone through, abuse, abandonment, hurt, bitterness, people mistreating you, blah, 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 but you're just so confident in this. Maybe I can't be confident in the love of people, but I can be absolutely confident in the love of Christ that makes you a superb conveyor. So I would encourage anyone who's listening, if you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, make that decision today to turn from your sin and to believe that he is the Son of God who lovingly, willingly, took your place and died for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, and call on him for your soul salvation. Enter into a relationship with him, because I'm absolutely confident of the love of Christ. And I will tell you this, that no one or no thing will separate you from the love of Christ. A salesman to sell a product that he's not confident in has a hard time. He either can't do it well or he has to fudge and lie to do it. We don't. Because what we're selling, what we're conveying, is a love of Christ that we could be absolutely confident in no matter what we've come from, no matter what we're dealing with. Oh, church, be the church and convey the love of Christ to a lost and dying world. And pray for your missionaries to do the same wherever God sends them. The second time we find this phrase, love of Christ, is in Second Corinthians chapter 5. It's in verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. I, I looked up in the Bible there in the in the, po- in the uh, pew, for the love of Christ controls us. For the love of Christ constraineth us. And then it goes on, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So the love of Christ has a constraining claim on our lives. And you cannot be a superb conveyor of the love of Christ if this truth isn't deep in your heart, if this isn't your reality, that the love of Christ has a controlling force to it in your life. That it constrains you. The word comes from the Greek "suneko." I think that's how you say it. And it means to be pressed in, to be hemmed in. It's used of a ship going through a narrow strait. Its direction is provided. And it can't go to the right or the left. It has to go through there. It's used of an army being pressed in and having a narrow passageway. It's used for a sheep shoot or a cattle shoot. That's the image I would be most familiar with from my part of the Pacific. Not so much in Samoa, but especially when I went to New Zealand several times preaching there. And that's something that always fascinated me. How they, they all go through those narrow passageways. And sometimes they flip open that side so they can go because they're going over there to graze. Or sometimes they flip that gate closed and this one opens and they go over there because it's time to... Shear for the wool or whatever. God knows when we need green pastures and rest. And he knows when it's our time to be useful to others. He knows. See, what that does is, number one, it provides direction. Number two, it removes distraction. You can't be a superb conveyor of the love of Christ if the love of Christ doesn't have a controlling force in your life. Otherwise, you have what I've heard called, it doesn't even really rhyme, but it's cute, sloppy agape. What you have is, oh, I love the Lord. It's like those teachers who say, oh, I just love the children, and they don't teach. Have you ever met someone, not at this school, I'm sure, but at other schools over the years, I just love all the kids, but they come late, and they're not prepared, and they don't do their job. And what kind of love is that? Just an illustration, an example tonight. Wow, if God's people would get on tune with this and say, the love of Christ has a constraining or a controlling or a compelling element to it, it removes a lot of the stuff I'm distracted with. I don't know, there were so few on that stormy Wednesday night, you probably wouldn't remember the message, but one of the parts of that message, agar praise in Proverbs 30, remove far from me vanity, empty, useless substance-less, I think that's a word, things, remove far from me. See, the love of Christ, it hems you in. It gets rid of all that stuff that would eat up our time and distract us and gets us on his path. What a difference you can make when you're channeled that way. How many more can you convey the love of Christ to when you're there? See, you need to look at the passage here and see what leads up to it. And you realize, wow, they're talking about the love of Christ, but it's coupled with these thoughts before it. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, back in verse 9. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Hey, in our first point, I want to say this. You can't be a superb conveyor of the love of Christ if you're so focused on doubts and insecurities. You have to be confident. Number two, I want to say this. You cannot be a superb conveyor of the love of Christ if you're not constrained by it. And that means it puts you to work. So you say, well, I want to focus on be the church instead of do church. To be the church, you're going to get active. You're going to be doing. And Paul says, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And then he goes on to say, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Speaking to believers, the believer will be judged for his works. The sinner won't, but the believer will. Not judged heaven and hell, we know that. I'm speaking to a biblically literate crowd, we understand the difference. But the judgment of the believer at the Bema seat is where our works will be tried of what sort they are. Are they the things that will be burned up when Jesus looks upon them and will be back to the foundation, which is Christ? I think that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Isn't that the passage I'm thinking of in my mind as I say this? Or will it be gold, precious stones? something that endures and gets even further refined when Christ eventually looks. Think about that. That's what we'll be judged for. And we'll receive our rewards and someday we'll have the blessed privilege to return them to Jesus because it's all him. Are you a superb conveyor of the love of Christ? Then you will be working and serving the great cause of Christ. Whatever else you have going on, whatever else you're doing, it will channel you to do that. It provides direction, and it removes distraction. Oh, I have one more, and I think we have time for it tonight. The third question I find in the third mention of the love of Christ, it's in Ephesians chapter 3. We'll look at verses 14 to 19. The Apostle Paul is sharing a beautiful prayer with them. If the first word in conveying, being called to convey the love of Christ, was to be confident in it, and the second was to be constrained by it, the third question would be, do I comprehend it? Comprehension is key. And we must increase the more and the more in comprehending the love of Christ. It's not just a yellow smiley face. It's so much more And so much deeper. And the more we comprehend it, the more naturally, the more confidently we'll be able to share that. Look at this passage, Ephesians 3, 14-19. For this cause, says the Apostle Paul, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, there's our word, with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of of God. That is a beautiful prayer. We don't need one-dimensional Christians. I know he loves me. He died for me and paid the debt for my sins and someday I'm going for heaven. We need people whose comprehension is way beyond that. That's the beginning to realize that that's how you begin to speak to someone about the love of Christ. But we, as we walk with him, should increase and increase and increase in our level of comprehension. I say this often. <clears throat> Maybe I've said it here before, I don't know. But my wife, Emmy, is particularly gifted in teaching reading to the young ones. I've said, Emmy, you can teach a rock to read. And when you're in a second language setting, and we're the English-speaking school, and it's highly desired there, and Emmy's teaching all in English, and she's got these kids that do the phonics, and they could read full sentences, she knows that's not nearly enough. Just for them to say, Dick and Bob threw the ball to whoever. Then she asks the question, who threw the ball? Yes! And she realized they didn't understand, so they go back and read it again. And she asks another question. They don't get it, and they read it again. And she knows that if they can just read like little robots and sound like they're reading with comprehension, but they don't really comprehend it, they'll never truly advance. And she works at that and works at that, because the idea is by the time they hit first grade, they can read with comprehension. It's a drive, and she does it. She delivers the goods. I was an English teacher also for years at the upper level, and I'll give this by illustration, and then we'll go back to the text. So I had my ninth grade students, and they were in the upper stream, so I started hitting them with Dickens. Great expectations, stuff like that. And they they couldn't read it. And they were moaning, groaning, griping and complaining, Mr. Jim, Mr. Jim, this is too hard. You just came out of college and we're just kids here in in the islands. We can't read this. Oh, you'll get it. dear. time. Drop everything and read. But, but. It was good because I was also the detention person at school. So after a while, they, they started reading. They had to have their dictionary. They had to write words. Sometimes they'd write like practically half of the words down there that they didn't know. Then we'd discuss them and go back and read the pages. And about a month, I don't know, maybe two passed by and it was deer time. It was always 20 minutes, but to them that felt like four hours. But one girl over in the end row, second seat, pie. She broke the silence, and they're not allowed to break the silence till the 20 minutes are up. But she did. She went, Mr. Jim, Mr. Jim, I read the whole page and I understood it. They're supposed to get in trouble for breaking the silence, but she didn't. I hope you get the point. You see, I want to say to you tonight if you're going to be a superb conveyor of the love of Christ, your comprehension is not going to be one dimensional. It's going to be at least those four dimensions, the height, the depth, the breadth, the length. I want to see the church filled with PhDs in comprehension of the love of Christ, not just got to the first grade level or up to a fifth grade comprehension level or high school, postgraduate degree levels of comprehending the love of Christ. Because someone who's confident In the love of Christ, that nothing can separate that from me, no matter what this life throws at me. Poverty, illness, broken relationship, unimaginable pain. No matter what, there's one thing I'm confident in, that nothing or no one will separate me from the love of Christ. And because of that, because He loves me that way, I will serve Him with every breath. Because I will spend eternity with him. Faith, hope, love. But the greatest of these is love. Because we'll eternally share that with him. I will serve him. But I want to grow in my comprehension. Time doesn't allow us tonight because I'm down to about five minutes. But I'm going to encourage you to go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and read from the first verse and start reading down and identify those four dimensions because he says that you would comprehend the love of Christ that you would comprehend the depth you want to comprehend the depth start reading from the first verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and you realize that we were dead in trespasses and sins that we were totally under the power of our three enemies. You read those verses, you'll find the prince in power of the air, the devil. You'll find out the course of this world, the world. You'll find out the, the, our own flesh. And you'll find out that I was totally under the power of those three enemies, and I was lost in sin, in the depth of sin. And you'll think back to Romans chapter 1. And you'll start to comprehend a little. We can only scratch the surface in a couple minutes tonight, but you'll start to get the picture of how low he reached the depth of the love of Christ. I don't know what you came out of. Are there any former drunkards in here? Or people who are lost in immorality? I don't know who's in front of me. I wouldn't presume. No, no, I got saved when I was very young. I grew up in a Christian home, and I've just always known the things of the Lord and walked with it. He still reached low because all have sinned and start to say, oh Lord, help me to walk every single day comprehending that you loved me so much that you came from the lofty heights and that you reached so low. And then the height It tells us in that same chapter where we are right now, seated in the heavenly place. Now think of that other dimension, the height of his love. I'm watching the big clock out there. Just a couple minutes left, but please don't miss this. You're seated in the lofty heights, way higher than those people on the balcony. Go read Isaiah chapter 6 and see the holy, holy, holy around the throne and start to glimpse the long train and see that scene in Isaiah chapter 6 and say, that's where I'm seated. His love lifted me so high. Go to Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and see the the green emerald rainbow and the throne and the things described around it and say, that's how high I'm seated. I feel kind of low Oh, child of God, think of the depth of his love that he reached you, but the height. Read in that same chapter. Go meditate on Ephesians chapter 2 and see what he says that he may show forth in the ages to come. You, you're his trophy of grace. You're the one the angels will marvel at. Oh, the height of his love. But the length of it, it's eternal. I already mentioned that. Our faith will be fully realized. Our hope will be fully realized. But the greatest of these is charity, love in action, the last verse in the love chapter. Because that love will be eternal. My biological mother left when I was young. She ditched us. The mother's love is supposed to be always. I didn't experience that. I've done many weddings probably about 30 over the years. And they all said, I do. But some of them didn't. And that relationship that's supposed to picture Christ and the church and be together until death do them part, didn't last all that long. Oh, but the length of his love. I want to have a multi-dimensional comprehension of the love of Christ. And then the breadth of it. Read more in that chapter and see how the wall of partition is broken down. How the Jew and Gentile are brought together. Church, I'd love to hug you all tonight. Don't look at me at all me sweating and say, I don't want you to hug me. Stop thinking that way. I'd love to scoop you all up and say thank you for all these years that every time I've come you've been so kind to us and the years and years of support. And the special projects, and the emails, and the messages, and the friendship. I'd love to, but I don't have that breadth. We would call it width, but he does. His all encompassing reach reaches even to us. See, we need to go often to the mountaintop of Romans chapter 8 and spend some time there. And keep our confidence. We need to realize that he will put us in his service. It's a privilege for us to convey the love of Christ. And then just keep growing in comprehension until your comprehension level is off the charts. Someday we'll all be in glory and we'll know all things. And we'll have eternity to realize the fullness of his love. But while we're here, let's comprehend it more and more with richer dimensions. Because when you love somebody that much, and you know they love you that much, you can't stop talking about them and conveying to others who they are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for Faith Baptist Church, I thank you for the ones here tonight. I thank you that you allow us the privilege to convey the love of your Son and our Savior. Now I pray for great blessings on this missions month, Lord. May the hearts of your people be moved. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.